The Pat Kenny Show with Matter Private Network on News Talk. Now, the Irish passport is ranked in the fourth tier of the most powerful passports in the world. Uh, the best port passport to have, uh, the most desirable, is that of Singapore. In the second tier, uh, you've got uh, countries like uh, Austria, Finland, France, uh, Japan, Luxembourg, South Korea. They're in the third tier. Uh, the second tier, Italy, Spain, Germany. But we're in the fourth tier and we share the same desirability as Denmark, the Netherlands and the UK. Why is our passport so attractive? Well, I'm joined by Declan Parr, defence and security expert. Declan, good morning. Good morning, Pat. OK, so we're not quite the fourth most powerful passport in the world, but we're in the fourth tier and it puts us well up there in the top 20 of uh, 199 countries for desirability. Why? Well, in chief amongst um, elements for desirability would be our membership of the European Union. Uh, it gives us it gives a, an Irish passport holder access to all member states and beyond uh, to states that are in the European economic uh, zone and other states that have a relationship uh, with the European Union but are not members such as Switzerland and Norway for example and then beyond that again the fact that it's European passport uh, European Union passport even with countries you know that uh, are not members or not that don't have a direct relationship will will look favorably on it for that particular reason then added to that or I would argue that based on my own experience of, of traveling in zones with it as well that there are additional factors. It's um, you, we're we're connected into the broader Western world, uh, so there's that we're part of that family of nations. So in the developed world, uh, it gives us that edge. And what I mean, not just about traveling, but if you wanted to uh, to settle, to get I me, mean, if you're going to Canada or Australia and you want to uh, to live and work there, it's much easier to go about the process of getting uh, residency or getting to buy property there. Then in countries that would be, uh, shall we say, existing in harsher climates, both physically and politically, uh, there's the fact that we don't have as much baggage as some other countries yeah. and and that, you know, we, we're seen in a more benign way. But I, I wouldn't exaggerate that element either. Some people have a tendency to engage in what I would call as Irish exceptionalism. There are other practical reasons too that uh, passports would be sought after pe- by people. Sometimes for nefarious purposes. Uh, I'm talking about Irish passports now. Mm-hmm. And that is because the Irish, uh, the Irish diaspora are all over the world. Uh, it's not uncommon to find Irish passport holders in, uh, traveling to all kinds of places uh, to engage in business, engage in aid work, engage in work on behalf of international organizations. So it, it's very congruent to find passport, Irish passport holders uh, in different parts of the world. And then so if the you fetch up, you know, you fetch up a passport control with an Irish passport, it's not an unusual document for m- most people who'll be checking passports. You could find an Irish passport holder in any part of the world. It would be it would be one of the less unusual Western passports. And, and added to that, Pat, is that you would expect an Irish passport holder to be speaking English. Uh, so if you are intent on wanting to go somewhere uh, for you know, criminal or nefarious purposes and you want to use a passport, you want to get your hands on a passport illegally or, or otherwise, an Irish passport would make sense because if you can speak English, 
uh, you don't e- you don't even have to be Caucasian, yeah. although uh, although probably that would would help to add to the congruency to some extent, but not so much uh, mm. in this day and age anymore. So it gives you that um, that level of congruency, that level of acceptability to move with fluidity. Now, uh, two ways to get a passport. One, if you're an heir, do well. One is uh, you get a stolen passport and then alter it uh, accordingly, uh, or else there's a what you might call a deep fake. How common are the deep fakes? Uh, how easy is it to change an Irish passport? Well, you know, there's the, the jury is out on how easy it is, but they're becoming more common uh, because what what's happening is the criminal community and indeed uh, countries that engage with criminal groups uh, for nefarious activities that would include espionage or intelligence work. So we were very familiar with the way we know Russia has partnered up with uh, cyber criminal groups. Uh, they would have already been doing this for quite some time with regards to things like passport theft. And, you know, the Russians wouldn't be the only ones. We saw the Israelis do it with regards to the uh, assassination uh, operation that they engaged in some years back in Dubai. And what has happened is that in the attempts to make passports more secure document, uh, biometric technology has been used. And rather than just steal a passport and physically forge it and reproduce it, which was what would have happened in the old days, what's happening now is that sometimes uh, information is being skimmed from legitimate passports uh, or biometric data is being uh, cloned from uh, legitimate passports and biometric chips have been reproduced successfully. Now, the the authorities, the legitimate uh, uh, entities try and stay one step ahead of that. But there was a, I seem to recall, a chap, a Dutchman named Jerome uh, van Beek, uh, who did it successfully back in 2008, where he was able to uh, successfully uh, clone data that the biometric data was fake, but the data in the passport uh, could look real uh, if you had the photograph of uh, somebody. That, in fact, actually, there were there were instances too where they were it, it, to prove a point. A British newspaper, I think, it was the Times ran an experiment where they used uh, inc- you know, uh, illegally obtained cloned data and fake pictures to reproduce a passport, a British passport, that seemed to meet the requirements of uh, yeah. UN levels of expectation. But it was completely fake. And they even in one case used a photograph of Osama bin Laden in the fake passport, showing that the fake biometric data was going through unchallenged and nobody was even looking at the photograph. Now, what is the biometric data? Uh, I mean, it's not a blood sample, obviously. So uh, what is it? Because if, for example, uh, if you remember the movie The Day of the Jackal, um, a a dead child, I think, uh, was taken, you know, the details taken from a, a gravestone and that child never reached adulthood, never therefore had had a passport. Therefore, there was a virgin application for the passport uh, and any adult person uh, could have applied in that name uh, to get the passport. So, um, yeah, well, it's not that long ago, Pat, that uh, criminal um, entities in this country would uh, have just gone to a local graveyard and uh, walked around until they found headstones of children that had died in infancy. <clears throat> and then they would go and get a, a birth cert issued in the name of that child and then go on to get themselves whatever documents they needed. Um, the the issue about biometric data, uh, I would say, though, is that 
people, legitimate people going about their business would do well to take some basic precautions. And, and you can do that. There are such things you can get now called uh, Faraday bags. And they're, they're little, little wallets that you can put your passport or indeed your phone as well uh, into. And I, I hear you're going to have Jess Kelly on and Jess is a very erudite lady on these matters. Uh, the idea of being able to put your phone or passport into those bags is it protects them from those who would seek to uh, engage in cloning or skimming activities. And that can happen. That is something that people need to be aware of. If they're traveling through large urban areas, uh, airports maybe that are in less protected parts of the world that might have the same stringent security measures, there are people who are routinely uh, engaged in those kinds of places to try and get their hands on both physical or biometric, physical data or biometric data. Uh, so be aware and take the basic precautions. Now, the biometric data is really only measurement data, isn't it? The space between your eyes, uh, the ratio of, you know, length of your nose, uh, where your ears are placed and all that sort of um, mm -hmm. stuff. Going down the road, one expects that iris reading technology will be important. That's harder to fake. Uh, you know, someone would have to get a, a contact lens made to fake the iris of the person that they're trying to uh, imitate, I suppose. Yeah. Um, there is a new Irish passport being designed at the moment with all sorts of layers of security being added to it. Do you know anything about the detail? Well, the detail is being kept very close. Those cards have been very kept very close to uh, the state's chest for operational security uh, requirements, and, and rightly so. But what I would say is, Pat, no matter what, if we put all our faith in technology uh, as, as the layers of protection, we are going to be undone. You, In terms of security matters and in terms of, of defence, one must always take into account the human factor. And... Uh, as uh, that uh, Dutch man that I mentioned earlier uh, proved, there will always be ingenuity that will go beyond the level of technology. And so we must ensure that we have multifaceted layers of security. So we must marry technology with human awareness. And the, the most effective form of security are the people that have to do the checking, being aware and not being 100% reliant on the technology. Having people that are uh, paying attention to the data that they look at on the passport, as well as just putting them in front of a technological reader. And individual citizens taking the responsibilities of their citizenship seriously and protecting their data. Declan Power, defence and security expert, thank you very much for joining us. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.